0: This is a teaching message from Church of the Living Water of Austin. And I've subtitled this Faith Working Through Love. Faith working love, And you can start by going to our our first scripture. Um, uh, Well, maybe. I was going to say that maybe I won't call it our foundational text, but maybe I will. Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5, and we'll start reading at verse 13. And as you're turning there, I want us to, to remind us that a sinner... As all of us us are as we are born into this world. We are born in this world as sinners. And sinners are saved by grace. We are saved by grace through faith. And being saved by grace through faith, that means that there should be a different walk with us after salvation. As part of our salvation plan, there should be a different walk. We should not walk the same. We should not talk the same. And when I say walk the same, I don't necessarily mean our natural walk. Uh, But what I mean is the walk that we have in life, the direction that our life takes as we are born again. We should not speak the same. We should not have the same conversations that we have. We should not respond the same way. That we responded before we were saved. So they, these are things that, that happens in our transition, in our conforming to the will and the plan of God, in us conforming to the plan that God has laid out for us for salvation, because all of those things are built into that plan. He didn't just save us just so that we could, he could, he could, we could say that we have been forgiven of our sin, but he saved us so we can be forgiven of sin, that we may be justified, that we might live a different way. And so that is very important because sometimes, again, when I've said this time and time again, and I'll continue to say it, is that sometimes we think that after salvation, after we have accepted Christ as our Lord and Savior and we have received forgiveness of sins, that that's it, that that's that's where our salvation ends. But that is not true. The Bible does not teach that 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 is where our salvation ends. But we live life, a lot of Christians, I'm going to say a lot of Christians live their life just like that where they are. But a believer is gonna push past, a believer, because I believe in Christ Jesus. I believe what He's done for me. I believe that I should have the character. I should that I should live more like what the, what Christian really means, Christ like. I believe that I should be more Christ like day by day. And so I am going to put things into place in my life that will help direct me in that position. That will help direct me in that in that area. So that I will not again do the things that I used to do before salvation. No sense in acceptance for salvation if you're going to remain the same. No sense in doing it. Just continue to do what you do and don't worry about it. Because let me, let me tell you, let me tell you, let me tell you. Just accepting him and not allowing changes in your life will not get you into heaven. It's not. Why? The scripture says, confess with thy mouth, believe in thy heart, and you shall be saved. Yes, it does. But believing means that I'm going to do something different. (laughs) That's what believing means. You can't just say, because the the scripture tells it. It plainly says that that in that day, a lot of them are going to say, Lord, Lord, I called you, Lord, Lord. I did things in in your name. And he's going to say, I never knew you. I never knew you. Yes, you said you accepted me. You said it. But we had no intimacy. We did nothing. We didn't do anything. You stayed on the, the way that you were going before you said it. You stayed over there and you never came my way. You never came my way. I don't know you. And so sometimes that's hard for, for people to hear. But it's the truth. That's the truth of the matter. So you can confess all day long. But until you try to make a direction, until you shift... and and make a, make a, a, a path, make a direction to God so that he can change you, you're still walking on this path, although you said that you've accepted him. And that's no good. That's not going to fly. It's not going to fly. A tree is known by the fruit that they bear. If you are bearing the fruit of a sinner... Guess what? You are a sinner. If you are bearing the fruit of someone who has accepted Christ and believed on him, guess what? You will bear fruit. We will be sick people will be able to see that. If we can't see a change, then guess what? There was no change. There was no change. It was merely something out of your mouth. Galatians chapter five, verse thirteen, and the scripture reads: For brethren, ye have been called unto liberty; only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh, but by love serve one another. And I reminded us last week that this is Paul talking to the churches at Galatia, and here he is—he is talking to they—they. They, uh, these are uh, new newly uh, uh, converted uh, uh, sinners that have accepted Christ these are folks that he has taught that he's ministered to he's taught and so now there are false teachers that have come in and that they're trying to tell them something different about what they used to be under which was under the law so he's telling them that no you've been freed from that You've been freed from the obligation. I wanna, and I want to clear this up, and I'm g- going to give an example to make sure that this is clear. I said this last week, and I, I want to be sure that, that no one is confused about what I'm saying. I said that although we have been freed from the law, we're not free from the obligation of it. And I probably should have said from the spirit of the law of it, right? So, so I'm not talking about the words themselves. I'm not talking in the, in, in the, the law um, for the Jews, it was much more than just the Ten Commandments. There were a host of things about their service, about their worship. All of those things consisted of the law. But I was particularly talking about the Ten Commandments. So we've been freed from that curse of the law. Because the curse is, is that you can't keep it, number one, and it was never meant to save you. So that's the curse of it. But then we have the spirit of that law that although... So this is the, the example that I wanted to give. Because we are free from the law, it does not mean that we should have any other gods before him. See, that's one of the commandments. Because we are free from the law does not mean that we should steal, that we should kill, that we should commit adultery. All of those things are part of the Ten Commandments. Just because we, have, we are free from the law, here's a good one, and, and, and one that's not so obvious. That thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. That's part of the law. That the, you should not take the Lord by God's name in vain. And what, what does that mean? That includes, not, not just saying, so, so they have, the Jews have this whole thing about, about using the Lord's name and, 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 and not using it because of, of what it meant. But it also means, and this is in, includes, using the name of the Lord to advance and support your evil doing. That's using the Lord's name in vain. Using the Lord's name to advance or to support your evil purposes. Hold on to that because I'm going to come back to that in just a second. So we talked about this walk. And I said that in this teaching that we are focusing on the individuals in marriage. Not the marriage as a unit because the marriage as a unit is not saved by grace. It's the people in the marriage that are saved by grace. So we're focusing on the individual. And I said that although two join together to walk in this life, that means to live in this life, although two become one and they are joined together in marriage, that the walk and how they regulate their life, how they respond to things in life, that is different. People respond differently to things based on where they are with their walk how they've regulated their life. The things that they've used to regulate their life. And everybody, we're going to use something to regulate our life. Everybody. We're going to use a standard. We're going to use a thought pattern. All of us, we're going to use something. And that regulation just means to control it. To direct by a rule. To direct by a standard. To direct by a principle. And each and every one of us live by a standard and by a principle. Now the question is, which standard and which principles are you living by? That's the question. But we all live by a standard. And we all live by principles. All of us do. And so as a believer, and what we said that as a believer, we should be regulating our life. We should be living by the standard and by the principles that are laid out by God. If you have confessed, see that there, here we go again. If we have confessed one way, we should be living by the standard and by the principles that are laid out by God. If we are living and regulating our life by standards and principles that we have conjured up, that we have listened to of the world, that we have listened to of our families, if it's not uh, outside of of God, those things, those traditional kinds of things, right? If we are regulating our life uh, uh, around those things, those principles and those standards, then that's the way that we're living, the way of the world, not the way of God. So then you can't accept Christ and still continue in those same principles and those same standards and say that you belong to him. That's plain and simple. That's plain and simple. You have to regulate your life based on the will, the word, the spirit of God. Now, what I also said last week was... You can receive salvation. You can, you know, you do, you do that. Uh, you, you are, you, you've made some changes in your life. You're not living the way that you used to live, but you may not necessarily be always living by the Spirit, being led by the Spirit of God. And I said that you won't necessarily go to hell for not for not allowing the Spirit of God to do all the work that He's supposed to do in you. Right, But I said that although you won't go to hell for that, that you will live hell on earth. That is a promise. Because when we are doing things that are not in the way of God, when we, are, when we are being led by our flesh and those things that are in our flesh to do automatically, and we not allow the Holy Spirit to direct us, don't you know that your ways are very different from God's way? Very different. And your ways get different results than what God's ways get. And although God's ways may seem like, they may seem like they are difficult to do, they may seem like uh, it's not going to go the way I want it to go, and, and, and that's probably a good thing that it don't go the way that you want it to go, because then that means that it's not going the way God wants it to go. See, all of us, and, and, and again, we're, we're, gonna, we're, gonna, we're lining this up with what we're teaching. We're going to line this up with what we're teaching. We said that in, in, in here in Galatians, let, um, let's see. Let's look at verse 14. Uh, no, let's look at, we started with verse 10. No, we didn't. 13. Okay. Let's go on to verse 14. For all the law is fulfilled in one word, even in this. Thou shalt love the, thy neighbor as thyself. But if ye bite and devour one another, take heed that ye be not consumed one of another. So let's go back to, let's go back to verse 13 for just a second. And remember what I just said. Is that we have the liberty and we have the freedom from the law, but we should not give occasion to it and so what that means is, is what I just said a few minutes ago about about using the lord 's name in vain, about wow. using it for evil for evil purposes instead of for good purposes that we should this says that we should use the occasion to serve. One another. Yet sometimes we use it to the advantage of our flesh. And what did I say? We talked about, and we went on to talk about the, the backbiting in verse 15 and the, and the devouring. We talked about criticism. Right, We talked about criticism and that, that find, trying to find that constant fault. Constant fault with your mate, with your spouse. Trying that constant fault. We talked about nitpicking. All, nitpicking at just every little thing that he or she does. Uh, again, trying to find fault. And then I, I think I mentioned, and I don't remember, but I think I mentioned even saying things using the name of the Lord or referencing it to manipulate a matter. And so that could be that could be as simple as you know you don't go to church enough. The word of the God of God says, and the Lord says this, that, and that, and the other. And they know that they should be going to church. They know that. Uh, and sometimes they know that they should be going, and they might go every now and then. But you want them to go every Sunday. So I manipulate the, the word of God says that we should not we should not uh, uh, um, uh, disregard the assembling of ourselves. All of those things to the occasion of your flesh. Because that's what you want. You want him to go. You want her to go every Sunday. That's a, and she should and he should I'm not saying that at all but I'm saying that sometimes we use it, we pick we nitpick at things and we just criticize and criticize and, and, and I told you those, those things will drive strife it will drive, it will drive contention constantly because you are not the Holy Ghost you cannot listen you cannot get people to do what you want them to do when you want them to do it that's that manipulation that's what I'm talking about using the Lord's name although it might be right what you're saying, but you're using that as an occasion to get him or her to do something that you want them to do. It has to be the Lord that convicts. You can't do the convicting. Now, you might say something that will bring conviction, but in sometimes, and sometimes again, in those times when you're always constantly criticizing and constantly picking, as you, as you can see, it's not doing any good because they are not changing. They're not changing. And it could be because they feel like you're trying to manipulate them. That you're trying to get them to do something. So see, sometimes, just like Pastor Hill said, you know, it's that it's that opposition, right? You say one thing, they're gonna do just the opposite. Just the opposite. Why? Because you cannot control what people do. You can only control you. We minister to people. Outside of that, we minister to people. We cannot control when they receive salvation. Our job is to minister the word, the gospel. Our job is to continue to pray for them. Our job is to just watch, to be patient, to watch and see. Our job is to believe and to trust that what we're saying, that the word of God that we are are, are presenting, that that seed that we are planting or or, or that watering that we are doing of that seed, we just have to, to trust that God is going to do what he's going to do and he's going to do it in his time just like you do that for, for sinners just like you do that for people on your job just like you do that for people in your family and in your neighborhood you got to do the same thing with your spouse the same thing guess what, remember we talked about this last week is that the neighbor is a neighbor you can't get caught up with them being your spouse first of all they are God's children they are, they are, they are God's that's number one They belong to God. (laughs) They are married to you, but they belong to God. And so we have to allow God to do what he does. That is your neighbor, That's the closest neighbor that you have. But just like you treat the same way you treat, with the same patience that you treat other people, is the same way you need to treat your spouse. Now, no, that part is difficult. Why? Because they're in our house and we have to live with them but regardless remember what I said that this walk with God is an individual walk and you can still and and that's what this this teaching is going to be about you can still live you can still live in harmony you can still live in unity with a person even though they might not be saved if they're willing it's possible. It's very possible to do. And so, uh, again, in these teachings we're talking about things and frustrations. So, so we, we, we've already said and we said that, that ideally what you're supposed to do is to marry someone who is in the faith. Marry someone who is not only saved, but who lives a life with a reflection that their life is being led by God, that they allow the Holy Spirit. Because we see that that is two very do- totally different things. And again, that could cause, that is, is grounds for, it's proof for, hell on earth for you when you don't. But, if you've married someone Who is not saved? Or you got married, the two of you got married, both of you were unsaved, and now you are saved. The the spouse still is not saved, so now we have that situation. And that can be a frustration. That can be very frustrating. But again, you cannot put uh, 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 your salvation on that other person. So because you got saved in this time, in this manner, does not mean that, that, you're, that, that you're, your, your spouse is going to come along and you both will be saved together. Now that would be nice. That would be very nice. But it do not always work that way. Why? Because we have the will. We still have to deal with their will and your will. You will to do, and they not, may not be willing to do right now. But, what did I say? you have to there, there's a certain obligation there's still a certain thing that we have to do that God expects of us as the one who is confessing him there's still something that we have to do and that 's what this teaching is going to address the things that you have to do as the believer when you are married to an unbeliever, And then we, we said last week also is that, that's, that the person that you're married to, they might be saved, they've accepted salvation. There's some initial work that, has, that you've seen, you've seen some changes, but they may not necessarily be living according to the spirit, not allowing the spirit to always right, direct their life and direct their paths. They might have this, you know, division thing going on. They might have all of that. And, and, and that can be frustrating. When two people who are living together, and they both ex- have accepted Christ, and, and so we know that they're supposed to be walking in the same, they're supposed to be regulated by the same things, they're supposed to be going in the same direction, and one is is deciding, you know, all principles, whatever this word says, whatever the standard is, whatever the principles are, I'm going to do my best, I, I'm striving, I'm striving to obey, I'm striving to obey every word that I hear, I'm striving to do that. But then you might have another, the, the other spouse that says, Okay, I'm saved. You know, I, I do this. I I I according to the to the scripture, I try to allow the spirit of of God to to work in me. Uh You know, I I I um I don't backbite. I don't do this. I don't do that. You know, I've changed. You know how how I how I do some things. But but some things that you're doing is just a little extra for me. It's for it, it, me. It just don't take all of that. It just doesn't. It doesn't take that. You know, sometimes I, I make decisions. I'm gonna make I'm gonna make decisions. Uh, based on, on my family, what I think my family should be doing. I'm going to make those best decisions naturally. And they're thinking naturally. They're not always thinking spiritually, but they're thinking naturally. I, I have to take care of my family. So the, these decisions that I'm making, it's based on that. So that means that they haven't totally put their trust in God. Now, it's a sin. That's, it is a, that is a sin, right? But that doesn't necessarily mean that they have not accepted Christ as their Lord and Savior. So then you have that dynamic going on, where one wants to do all the principles and wants to live by all the standards, and then you have this one, yes, I'm saved, but I, no, I may not live by all the principles. I don't always agree. I don't always agree. Because, because they're thinking one way. I'm thinking, I need to do this naturally. They haven't let all, i put it this way, they haven't let God have all of them. There's some things that they're still trying to hold on to, some areas of their life that they think that they have to control because they don't they don't trust God to control those things. And so you find there's frustrations in that, frustrations in that. Why? Because here it is very very natural and very and very good, a good example, and then, and it happens all uh, all the time when when one is not always walking according to the principles. So we we're both in church. We know we're supposed to tithe. I'm, I'm following the principles. I'm gonna tithe every time I get something. I'm gonna tithe. Well, that other person may think, well, you know, we, yes, we'll tithe, but but if I fall short this month or next month, then I'm gonna have to use that tithe. I'm trying to take care of my family. <laughs> I'm gonna have to use that tithe. See, so you see, and that can be a frustration. I know we know, you know what God's supposed to what, what God and we 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 hear what God says. Well, yeah, I do hear what God say, is saying, and I'm doing it. In their minds, I'm doing it until something else comes up, until something happens. They're not allowing, they're not trusting God in every area, right? And that's a frustration. That can be a frustration. I had that same frustration. When I was married, uh, and I think I, I, I mentioned this, I've told you all this before, this, this story about assessment. We had just started assessment, first time going around, and I wanted to assess. I had a heart, I had a desire to assess because I, I trusted God. Now, I knew what my bank account looked like at the time. I, I knew that. But one thing that was said that made a difference it said, God knows, and he's not asking you for something that you don't have. And that stuck with me. He's not asking me for something I don't have. He's just asking me to reallocate what I do have. <laughs> That's what he's doing. He's asking me, asking me to reallocate what I do have. So I had that desire. But my spouse did not. Didn't think that same way. He looked at it and he's like, we don't have it. We don't have it. And guess what? I said, okay. Now, in my spirit, it was not Okay. But for my house to be okay, I said, okay, mind you, I'm working too. Both of us working in the house. And so what my pastor told me later, I told him, you know, after it was all over, I didn't. I probably should have gone to him beforehand and then I could have gotten that advice and then I would have known how to handle it better. But after the fact, because it was eating me up, it was eating me up. And so I went to my pastor and I talked to him about it. And he said, sister, do you work? Yes, sir, I do. You don't have to touch his money. But you work. What about what you earn? It says every working member. Every working member. Are you working? Yes, sir, I'm working. Then that's you. That freed me. I didn't miss another assessment. It freed me. Okay, I don't care. And I didn't go nastily. Okay, I'm not touching what you owe. I mean, what, what, you, what you make. I'm not touching that. But I hear the Spirit of the Lord saying that I need to obey. So I am going to obey. See, and that's, and that's, that, that's a part of allowing God's authority. See, that's, and that's the whole key. That's the whole key in your frustrations. In your frustrations, the whole key is to live peaceably as much as as you can as it pertains to you and to stay under God's authority. Now, staying under God's authority may not always bring peace. It'll bring peace for you. Because again, after I did all of that, and after I didn't miss another sentence, I had peace about it then. I I didn't have peace when I did not follow what I believed the 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 Spirit of the Lord was saying to me. I didn't have peace. But when I chose to do what the Lord said, I had peace. Again, it may not have brought peace in my house at the time, but I had peace. Even in the midst of an unpeaceable house. Oh, did you get that? Even in the midst of an unpeaceable house, I had peace. Because I was being obedient. And doing what I... And listen. Objective. Objective. To learn how to navigate being... Only one objective. To learn how to navigate being married to an unbeliever or someone who is not saved... Or someone who has less of a desire to live a principal life being led by the Spirit than you while staying under God's authority. I know that was a long sentence, but that's all I got for you. That's the only objective I got for you. To learn that we need to learn how to navigate being married to an unbeliever or someone who is not saved or someone who has less of a desire to live a principal life being led by the spirit than you they desire less to be led by the spirit and by a principal life than you while staying while you are staying under god's authority that's the only objective that we have for this teaching and so let me say that god is concerned about your marriage he's concerned about your marriage because it is intended to reflect christ and the church so he is concerned about your marriage because it is the intent, it is his intent that it reflects Christ and the church. And he has given some specific instructions and some specific guidance for our marriages and your individual situation. <laughs> That's good news. We talked talk about these frustrations, talking about being married to somebody who is unsafe, talk about being married to somebody who has less of a desire to live a principled life than you. Frustrations, but God has some specific instructions and some guidance just for you. And that is good news. That's some great news. You ought to rejoice and you ought to be happy about that news because it will free you. It will free you. God's principles govern this series of teaching stewardship. You have to have steward over your marriage. And that's God's plan to fulfill your life. Stewardship over that marriage. He will fulfill your life if you operate in the principle of stewardship in your marriage. The principle of authority. His plan to protect you. <laughs> if you operate under His authority and you stay within the guidelines of the authority of your home, that is His plan to protect you. His plan to protect you. Unconditional love. We have several, and that's okay. There are several principles that's going to govern this teaching. The principle of unconditional love. His plan to keep me from failing. We have to operate in unconditional love in our marriage, and that's God's plan to keep us from failing. We talked about that brotherly love. Unconditional love, that's brotherly love. And you have to have brotherly love towards the people in your house first. And that's God's plan to keep me from failing. The principle of obedience. Obeying God's word. His plan. I said that he has some specific instruction. He has some specific guidance for your situation. You need to make up in your mind that whatever it is, whatever this teaching lays out for me, I am going to apply it. I am going to do it. And that principle of obedience, that is God's plan to reward my life. Can I be rewarded in the midst of that kind of situation where I'm living with an unbeliever? Yes. (laughs) Yes, you can. Again, because the the walk is individual. It's individual. Yes, it would be good if you both can live that, that life and have the reward of a life. But it's individual. The principle of agreement. His plan to crown my life with peace. I'm going to agree with his word. I'm going to obey his word. And that is the principle to crown my life with peace. And what did I say? may not always have peace in the home. I can't govern that. But peace in my spirit, peace within me. I can have peace. Even in the midst. Even in the midst, I can have peace. Number one. Guidance, instructions laid out for you. Number one, do not seek to be free from the marriage. Oh boy. Do not seek to be free from the marriage. Well, what about 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14? It talks about being unequally yoked with unbelievers. What about verse 17? Same, same chapter, same chapter verse 17 that states to come out from among them and be separate. What about those verses? I hear what you're saying. What about those verses? God knew what you were going to say. That's why he had me to write it down. What about those verses? Using these scriptures is an example of using or referencing the name of the Lord to support your evil purposes. We use that word. That's God's word. And we use it. To support our evil purposes to get a divorce. Why? What did I say about the idea of walking in the spirit versus walking in the flesh? My flesh says it would just be easier. (laughs) My flesh says it would just be easier to cut ties. It would just be easier to get a divorce. Then I won't have to deal with it. That's what my flesh says. See, the flesh always wants that easy road out. Always. What's the easy road out? So, so I'm going to use and find scriptures that's going to support my evil doing. I'm going to use scriptures to support the evilness, that, the, the thing that I want to do to satisfy my flesh. Just get out. That's easy. So we think. Then there comes ramifications for the children if you have some. We don't think about that. All we're thinking about is, for me, the lust of the flesh. It's, it's about me. It would be easier for me to just get out. Now, as I go through this, keep in mind, we're not there yet, so don't rush me. There are some allocations. There are some allotments for getting out. But just because they're unsaved, that's not one of them. Just because they're not living the life that you think they should be living in Christ, that's not one of them. Just because they are not allowing the Spirit of God to work in them the way you are allowing the Spirit of God God to work in you, that's not one of them. Do not seek to be free from marriage. Turn to Mark chapter 10. This is about to get good. This is about to get good. Mark chapter 10. I'm saying this and when you hear it, you may not think so, but you know. That wasn't good at all. She could have kept that. Mark chapter 10. Look at verse 2. Start reading at verse 2. And the Pharisees came to him, came to Jesus, and asked him, Is it lawful for a man to put away his wife, tempting him? Okay, they were tempting him, trying to see what he was going to say. He answered and said unto them, What did Moses command you? And so that's what they were trying to catch him in. Trying to catch him So You know, Moses did this, and but you're saying do this. So, so what's the real deal? What, what, what are you really saying? Trying to catch him. What did Moses command you? And they said, Moses suffered to write a bill of divorcement and to put her away. Jesus answered and said unto them, For the hardness of your heart, he wrote, you this precept. But from the beginning of the creation, God made them male and female. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife. And the twain shall be one flesh. So then they are no more twain but one flesh flesh. So what is God saying here in verse 5? The hardness of your heart. He says because of the condition of your insensibility because of your unresponsiveness to the Lord. Because of that he wrote you this precept. Moses did. But he said it's not that was not so from the beginning. That was not so from the beginning. In the beginning I say in the beginning the word says In the beginning God intended for the man that he created man and he created female and for the man to leave his wife to cleave to to leave his his family to leave his father and his mother and to cleave to his wife. That was the intent and the two shall become one flesh. Now this is what I want to listen this is what I want to point out to you about this. First of all But let's keep going. Read verse 9. What therefore God hath joined together, let no man put asunder. What God, what therefore God hath joined together. It didn't say who therefore God hath joined. It says what God hath joined. What did God join? God joined the covenant of two to make the marriage institution. So that is what God joined and he said that joint uh, institution that marriage let no man put asunder. Catch that. Not the who, it's the what. God joined the institution. God created the institution. He said let no ma- let no man put asunder the institution. So when you choose, you choose who. You choose who you are institutionalized with. But it is your choice in that. But God says the institution of man, once you, whoever you choose, once you have chosen, catch that. No matter who you choose, once you have chosen and you have entered this institution, let no man put asunder. That means you cannot separate it. That means you cannot divorce it. That means you cannot walk away from it. Let no man put asunder no man again there is allotment and we're not going to get ahead there is an allotment but god god dictates the allotment and not the man of 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 the separation of a divorce god does not man so it's not your idea you can't conjure up and think about what you cuz you in any little thing and that's why they have this bill of divorcement to begin with the the jewish people are the same as we are every little thing an easy way out i just want the easy way out i want the easy way out <laughs> they were converted they had been converted from judaism to christianity and i don't want to i don't want i don't want to have to deal with her i don't want to have to deal with him my, the easiest thing for me to do is just go my way but the scripture says what they two have become one let no man put asunder that was from the beginning Guess what? God already knew that you were going to marry an unbeliever. (laughs) He knew it. Because he knows what you're going to do before you do it. God already knew that the two of you would get married and be unsaved together. And that one of you would be saved and the other not at this moment. He already knew it. But guess what? It didn't change the fact of what he said. Let no man you enter in. Let no man put asunder. You're stuck. You chose. And what I like about this is that God never said he never said believer. He never said you know he never said anything like that. He talked about man and woman. He talked about husband and wife. He never said a believing wife or a believing husband or the two being saved. He never, he never said anything about that. He simply said man and woman husband and wife. So guess what? That encompasses every man and woman who are, who are married every wife and husband who are married whether they're saved or not. Now an unbelieving couple, they can't be expected to not put asunder because that's all they know to do. That's all they know to do. Two believers should be expected to not put asunder because that's what God expects from the word. One believer in the union, God expects for that believing spouse to keep with his standard and to fulfill his purpose and his plan if they're allowed to. And we'll get to that if they're allowed to. I'm out of time, but God is faithful. This has been a teaching message from Church of the Living Water at Austin. For more information about our ministry, please go to our website at livingwateraustin.net. you.